Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Good morning, folks. Uh, Welcome to T3. This is your host, Jose Negron, on voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel, hosted uh, every Tuesday at 9 Pacific Standard Time or noon East Coast Time. I'm happy to announce that uh, if you missed our show, we are archived, and you can always tune in to our show on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays as well. As always, uh, I'd like to thank my audience. Uh, We're really increasing our uh, U.S. audience as well as our international audience. I believe the the reason our audience continues to increase, not only are we talking about uh, technology today, tomorrow's technologies, but uh, we have an interaction between uh, our guests. Uh, the host here, myself, and, and the folks out there, the audience. And I, I believe we're connecting uh, based on bringing you technologies, innovation, and new creations and development of new gadgets that we can use. And one of the things we try to uh, take out of is the scientific or the geek speak and get it back to what I call the normal audience to understand what we have and what how our lives are basically changing in front of us. So that's the beauty of uh, the team three show and I'm very happy to host this show. Uh, to keep our audience involved in with the T3 show, call 866-472-5788 or email me at today's tomorrow's technology at gmail.com. Well, I have a very special program today. Uh, it is uh, something I've been trying to talk about a little bit. It just came up, and it's uh, the happy birthday for DARPA. Uh, it's celebrating the 60th year. Uh, it is an anniversary week here in, in Washington, D.C. area. And I have asked Alexandria A3 Lorena to uh, help me discuss uh, a little bit about DARPA, its history. Uh, where it came from, you know, how to get started, what what has it done, and why is that agency so important to the Department of Defense, uh, the nation from a commercial perspective as a whole. And uh, I just wanted to celebrate with them this week and congratulate DARPA on its 60th anniversary. The present director, of course, is Stephen H. Walker. He is the 21st DARPA director, and he was appointed under the uh, Undersecretary of Defense. Acquisition Technology Logistics, Mrs. Ellen Lord. And so congratulate Steve for taking the helms at DARPA. And let's talk a little bit of what DARPA is all about. You know, at the height of the Cold War, when the Soviet Union launched Sputnik in uh, 1957, uh, the U.S. was taken aback. Uh, we we had uh, we were just surprised. It took 16 weeks after Sputnik uh, that uh, Neil McEnroy, Defense Secretary under uh, President Eisenhower, issue a directive to create the Advanced Research Project Agency known as ARPA, and that was in February 1958. And I, I look back at these dates, and it's not that far uh, ago, even though it's 60 years for me. It's still we're still growing. But the agency known as uh, ARPA also became DARPA, okay? And the reason the D became important was because we wanted to make sure everybody understood 
that uh, the projects, the new technology, the innovation, the the creation of new uh, spectacular systems uh, would have a defense application. And and today, uh, DARPA celebrates his or this week are celebrating the 60th anniversary, and it is a test bed for futuristic technology. Uh, I look back at my years between 2000. One to 2005, uh, in my days as a program manager, as a senior liaison officer, uh, it was quite fun. And I can honestly say you can walk into that organization and you were treated first class. I mean, it didn't matter whether you were sweeping the floors uh, or janitorial service or security or program manager or the director. Everybody was treated the same. Uh, you know, there was uh, it, it was interesting because I've had many friends comment on the speed DARPA um, reacts to. In other words, you you registered, and the next thing you know, within an hour, you're set up with phones, you're set up with computers, you're set up with everything you need to be uh, administered there at DARPA. And it's it's quite uh, baffling at times because most of us check into an organization. It takes them two or three days to figure out. Oh, you're here. Oh, well, you need to do this or that. Not not at DARPA. I mean, it's kind of it's it's. Uh, it's no wasting time zone. It's a no wasting time <laughs> zone. You, you, the most program managers in the heartbeat of DARPA is the program managers. You only have three to four years, and every moment you waste looking at things that are not important to you, that's a, a moment you don't have for technology. So that's been very important. But what is DARPA's mission? You know, why was it created? Sure, it was created right after Sputnik, and it and it developed a lot of the rocket systems and help uh, uh, move uh, science uh, and technology in the space system. But DARPA was conceived. Uh, really and develop to demonstrate breakthrough technologies that could create or stop technological surprise for national security. We just didn't want another Sputnik to happen. And so DARPA's focus is efforts, it's uh, technology development uh, around the boundaries of knowledge and the edges of the interaction of uh, scientific discipline. I, I, we, pl- we, we create, you know, it's, it's got to be DARPA-like or DARPA-hard. People say, well, it can, it can never be done. Well, that's a DARPA project. If it can never be done, that's a DARPA project. So we help create new communities in science and engineers. In fact, uh, whole industries are developed uh, based off of uh, just DARPA scientific uh, engineering research. Innovation technology we've talked a lot about here and that's that's the creativity and the development of new technology taking it from what I call basic research advanced research to prototyping to to actual fielding because one of the things we try to do is get that technology out there to the warfighter uh, but I'll turn it over to Alex Alex uh, I, I know that uh, you probably never heard of DARPA until you met me uh, a couple of years that's ago. True. And uh, what has surprised you the most? For me right now, um, exactly like Jose said, DARPA, when, when he started talking to me the first uh, weeks probably that I started working with him, uh, he started saying, DARPA, DARPA. And I'm like, what is DARPA? Oh, my God, what is this? But yes, no, I had no clue. And then from there on, Jose started uh explaining or, or just giving me all the insights and the stories and and for me the most amazing thing is that they invented the internet yeah, exactly so right there just with that 
I'm all over DARPA. DARPA for me is just the most amazing agency right now. And um, they have done amazing things throughout the whole years um, that we're going to be discussing a little bit uh, later on. But for me, Internet, for sure. Well, let me put that in context. (laughs) Uh, In context, okay, the first computer, uh, it's called the ENIC. Uh, it was the first computer, and it was created in uh, 1946, and it stood for Electronic Numerical Integer and Computer. And uh, that was the first computer in 1946. The creation of the ARPANET, or the concept itself, uh, was created in 1967. So can oh, I hook wow. up one computer with another computer and develop a kind of a initial network? So that was called mm-hmm. the ARPANET. And people believed in the ARPANET. And it wasn't until 1969 mm-hmm. that the ARPANET was connected uh, through different uh, universities using supercomputers. Because the issue is speed, uh-huh. time, calculations. We talked about several programs ago about our smartphones and how fast they are. Well, well, I guarantee you, your, your smartphone today was probably faster than that supercomputer that DARPA was hooking up. But that, at that time, it was the best and greatest at the time in 1969. And that's how the the Internet or DARPA net uh, continued to exist. That's what you were saying um, when we had the, uh, the discussion here with Dick. He was also saying um, how, for example... Our phone or like our calculator on our phone right now. Right. It's even faster than. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> it's faster as supercomputer because the issue is mathematics and the, in the calculation. Mm-hmm. And the faster you can do calculations, the better and the quicker you get an answer. And, and it's all about trying to get the answer faster and better and more cumulative, mm-hmm. uh, holistically, as I call it, uh, than anybody else so that you can make a decision. And that correct. decision has to be correct. And, uh, and in part, especially in the Department of Defense or in national security policies, you need to make the right answers 100% of the time. And, All the time. you know, we're humans. We don't always oh, no, succeed sure. that. <laughs> but we create, and that's one of the reasons DARPA created it. Uh, when I look back, you talking about, uh, you know, when you, you look back at the ARPANET, uh, really, uh, the ARPANET or commercialization of the Internet began in the early 80s and 90s. And it was only after they closed down the ARPANET in 1990 and also when they closed down the National Science Net, uh, the, uh, uh, the SNET. And they closed that down so that full commercialization can begin on the Internet in 1995. When you think about it, you know, the, the father of the Internet is called Vint, or who created it, was uh, Vint Cerf. He's called the father. He co-designed the TCP IP protocols, the architects for the Internet. Uh, that was in uh, December 1997. President Clinton uh, presented him the National Medal of Technology. Uh, so that he and other colleagues uh, con- uh, contribute greatly to the internet. In 19, uh, the first website was created in August 1991. So oh, wow. it's not that far away. I mean, when you think about it, it's not that far. Wow. And of course, the first computer virus known as the brain was uh, launched in January 1986. And I will tell you some for the ladies here, the mother of, of the Internet, the ladies of the Internet is uh, Radia Pertman. 
uh, uh, Perman, excuse me, and she's a PhD out of MIT, and she had over 80 patents related to the internet itself. Wow. So that's uh, pretty interesting. And then a father email was Raymond uh, Tomlinson, and he uh, launched that email uh, many years ago as a computer scientist uh, working on the project. So the father, so it's kind of interesting as I look back, you know, here we are in 19 uh, or 2018, but uh, when you look at the history, it's only been about 30 plus years. Exactly, not more than internet, that. And we're really growing because mm-hmm. now we're really learning how to use the internet. So that's that's kind of interesting to me as I look back at DARPA. Any we're really comments? we're really uh, taking advantage right now of all this um, this whole history that we have only 30 years ago. I think that's nothing really. Yeah. Um, and um, for people like you, for example, have seen both sides with internet and without internet. So how can you <laughs> relate to that in case getting the advantage out of the internet right now? See, I can, I can everything. relate a little bit to that because in 1994, I happened to be uh, privileged to run a operational cell called Geneva Air Ops. And we were sending uh, airplanes. We had to uh, develop a, uh, uh, an ATO uh, air tactical order uh, to send airplanes down to Goma Sair and they had to be there at a certain time and they had to take off they only had a certain amount of time because it was a very small airport so uh, the planes would land they uh, downloaded their medical uh, food water supplies Mm -hmm. and then they would have to leave and then I had another airplane within two minutes landing as they took off so So it was a clock it was a clockwork (laughs) it was five airplanes landing there when I first took over we ended up going to 55 airplanes in a 12-hour period so wow. I we're real proud of that. But it gets back to, you know, I didn't have the internet. Most of the time, I had five high-speed faxes, where I would distribute the uh, the uh, the landing Baby? times, the Baby? ATO. I would la- oh. I distribute the ATO, and I finished that project. And I came back to uh, headquarters UCOM where I was working because uh, I was absconded to the UN uh, for the UNHCR, and I realized. Oh my goodness! Here's here's such a thing called the internet. Mm. How did I miss it? How, how did I? Why did I busy. know about it? How did I not know about this? And uh, and so all of a sudden, those five high speed faxes were obsolete, and yeah. here we are on the internet. You know, receiving emails, and receiving instead. emails and texts, and and we remember, I remember, uh, I had a good friend of mine uh, who would uh, put a package together, and it was ten to twenty. I try to keep it small because mm-hmm. it's smaller. The first page was all the summary of all the, uh, of the package, and I tried to keep it small, and then we would send it out uh, in the f- five high-speed faxes. That's what we lived on. But like I said, here, here we fast-forward it because that thing started uh, – I worked there for four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two weeks, probably the hardest I've ever worked in my life. We were up uh, 24-7 uh, for two weeks, and I was falling asleep. Then I realized, oh, hey, we better get these folks to sleep <laughs> and get some type of uh, uh, schedule. Otherwise, we're not going to work on that. Um, but that was funny. Yeah, some fun, a, a fun note. Um, uh-huh. I remember the first time I heard about emails. My mom obligated me to, well, actually, she was the one who created my email address. And my, that email address I still have. Oh, really? <laughs> um, and it's and I remember the date, well, not the date, the year, because the year. it had 2000. So wow. it was in the 2000s wow. when I actually created the email address. I think it was with Yahoo or something. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. But, 
yeah, it's been a long time and I didn't even thought about it. I remember saying to myself, I'm never going to use this. Why is my mom obligating me to have this? If, you know, <laughs> there's no need for it. There is no need. There is no need for so it. And that's that's the beauty. <laughs> like I said, my my instant shock was coming out of the uh, mm. Sayer, uh humanitarian experience out of Geneva Ops where I ran a, a 21 um, man team, uh, both man and female. And, uh, and I got back to headquarters you come and I saw the computer on my desk and I started playing and, and there was the internet and I go what is this yeah you know and I'm this? going God what what could I have done because we we're faxing things you don't understand we had five uh, high-speed fax machines but we would send out 30 40 faxes because wow. they went out to the world you know I had folks flying in from Japan from Russia from Australia Austria I mean they were flying all over the world and they would read their you know their time slots and of course I've had the British guys working for me, the French guys working for me, German guys, uh, several U.S. guys came in, uh, even the Swiss. And I remember asking Madame Magada one day, uh, and I said, "We need to make this air cell a little bit larger so we can, uh, acu- uh, you know, account for all the airplanes and and give everybody uh, information that they requested." And I remember Maria came to me and says, "We Swiss, we we don't work on weekends." And I said, <laughs> and I started laughing, and I said, "Well." Well, uh, let's see how important it is exactly. tomorrow morning we'll whether, uh, you know, the the guy is going to tear down the wall and expand the office will be there. And sure enough, by 730, they were there they were knocking there. down the walls and bringing awesome. in desks. So awesome. it was it was funny to me. Well, anyway, we have two minutes. Anything else you would like to talk a little bit about DARPA? Um, we... Also, something that we can probably talk in the next segment is um, the satellites that um, we oh. actually have there. So that's why we have GPS today. Yep. Uh, when I look back, uh, you know, we've had 21 directors, as I said earlier. Uh, Stephen Walker, Dr. Walker is the current director. Uh, my p- personal uh, director was uh, Dr. Tony Tether. Uh, he was responsible for many things, but it, uh, I guess uh, he will take claim to the DARPA Grand Challenge. Uh, but the, uh, you know, as I said, DARPA stood up right after Sputnik. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, missile defense, uh, rocket launching, uh, all the space activity. And last week, we had the privilege to listen to Hawks Abbott mm-hmm. uh, na- uh, and his NASA experience and and we talked about uh, satellites and and just the adventure space and I think we, uh, I, there's no question in my mind we're moving towards space but the vastness of space is I still can't comprehend you know mm-hmm. I, I believe if I recall correctly there was about 200 million uh, stars or billion stars in the Milky oh, Way and I'm going wow how do you how do you comp- comprehend that amount of stars in the Milky Way, and I, I I'm, I'm going to look it up to validate my answers here. But I'm going, wow, that I, that's hard for me to believe that there are that many stars, you know. And that's what it is that so, we know of. Yeah, that we know of <laughs> about 200 billion stars, or perhaps more, just in the Milky Way galaxy alone. Wow. Okay, it is estimated there's a hundred billion galaxies. Oh Lord. So uh, you know we're we're it's moving towards space. World. It's a huge space. Uh, uh, environment and we'll talk about that in our next break but uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, we are celebrating uh, the anniversary for DARPA uh, it was stood up in uh, 1958, February 1958. Uh, Neil McElroy was the defense secretary at the time under President Eisenhower, issued a directive to create the Advanced Research Project Agency. And we'll be right back. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Divorce or domestic family issues can take their toll not only on the adults who are party to it, but also to their children. Sometimes separation or divorce are far better solutions than staying around a toxic relationship. Now there's a show that listens and provides solutions. Listen for Reclaiming Your Life with host Don Christensen. In this program, we discuss family crisis issues which can happen to anyone. Divorce with dignity is possible, and working together can achieve wonderful results. Listen Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com now back to our show welcome back folks uh you're listening to today tomorrow's technologies t3 show and today we're celebrating darpa's 60th anniversary and happy birthday darpa this week uh at the uh, in dc uh, especially in the national harbor uh, they'll be celebrating all week long with new speakers and uh folks who are very interested in technology and just celebrating what darpa has accomplished and what darpa future will bring and there has been many many uh projects we talked a little bit about uh, darpa's first uh getting started uh, with the Advanced Research Project Agency uh, called ARPA in February 1958. It was uh, started 16 weeks after Sputnik. Uh, Neil McEnroy was the Defense Secretary at the time with President Eisenhower, and the whole idea was to stop technological surprise. And that is a mission uh, for national security that DARPA has carried on to this day. They put the D in front of ARPA uh, so that everybody is reminded that it's a defense Advanced Research Project Agency, and it's creating defense technology. And in the past, we've talked about a little bit of uh, the types uh, uh, of technology. Uh, for example, uh, I'll mention the M16, 
uh, stealth technology, artificial intelligence. We talked a little bit at great length of the Internet and my surprise when I got back to headquarters, UCOM in 1994 about the Internet and how you could use the Internet and so forth and so forth and so on. I think now we're going to change our subject and talk about a GPS. Because without uh, the global positioning satellites, it would be hard to navigate. I, I look, uh, I just had a great weekend. I uh, drove up to New York from Washington, D.C. Uh, first to uh, stop off to see a friend of mine. We're talking about uh, uh, batteries and extension of batteries and, and the support of alternate energy. And got to see him in New Jersey and then drove through the Lincoln Tunnel to New York City and stayed there at Broadway. So it was interesting because we did that with the GPS. Uh, uh, with my uh, my iPhone all the way using uh, Waze system uh, for most of it and a little bit of the Google Maps. And I look back and I go, wow, all that paper maps that I still have on the side of my <laughs> car door is uh, I did I used it once to look at it, but that's about it. Oh, so no. Alex, what do you think? You, I know that you and the ladies that work around here are constantly using your iPhones, so you kind of laugh at me every time I look at a map. I do. Uh, um, I still use Waze to get to your house or wherever, you know, the office or wherever we need to meet. So um, it's part of my day. Like every day I use uh, my GPS. It just makes it easier. And also with the new inventions for apps like this, that um, they calculate um, the traffic, how, oh. how bad is it, if roads are closed. So it's it's amazing. It just, again, makes us get quicker and faster to the place that we want to, which is something that in all the episodes we've discussed right, this, right. Um, you always pick on it. But um, I have here some info, and it says um, that the Global Positioning System Projects uh, dated back to 1973, and it was originally very much into military system, Correct. funded and created by the U.S. Department of Defense. However, the concept dates back even further to very early days of DARPA itself to October 1957. Yeah. And I will tell you, uh, at the time, Dr. Tether was a program manager at the time, and he was a smoker. And he says, Jose, I was sitting here smoking a cigarette one day, and I I, I was working on pieces or parts of the GPS program. And I, I remember having a cigarette pack in my hand. And exactly as you mentioned, Alex, is that uh, GPS was, I mean, it was a big monster system. You had to have it in the back of a Jeep or a Mm -hmm. truck to operate. It was very complicated. And Dr. Taylor told me, I looked at this pack of cigarettes I put in my pocket, and I went in there to talk to a, a commercial guy, and I said, look, we have a deal if you can make the GPS as small as this cigarette pack. Look at that. And, and, and it may not have been the size of a camel pack, but <laughs> exactly. he says it was a, it was a good size of a Virginia a Slim. Yeah. yeah, Virginia Slim pack. So he was happy. Uh, I remember him telling me that story, and I go, that's how things are created at DARPA. Exactly. You know, it's just that people think about the impossible. You got a half a ton truck out there or back of a Jeep, mm-hmm. you know, like – three suitcases and and now you're at you know the cigarette pack and look at your iphone today that's the size it is today and that's due to the microchip uh, that darpa developed you know advanced electronics Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of a funny story of course from there they launched the various satellites that give you the 3d uh pinpoint accuracy ones for military and then commercial and i think uh just recently or several years back they opened it up uh, where everybody has about the same type of 
accuracy. Yeah, so it's um, uh, NAVSAT. That's how it started. The first operational satellite navigation system in 1964. And then eventually, uh, two years after the GPS was fully operated in 1994. 1994, that's yep. not too long ago. Not too long ago. You know? no, 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 so all these <laughs> creations are, are happening. Uh, I do I w- remember being with my mom with the maps <laughs> yeah. on road trips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. getting lost because I was really <laughs> bad at it. I was really bad. Yeah, but... Yeah. Yet again, thank you, DARPA. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, the beauty about that, uh, we've talked about the Internet. We've talked about GPS. Let me give you another one, uh, stealth technology. Stealth technology started uh, Mm -hmm. because uh, electronic warfare uh, and the ability to see aircraft through radars and, and, and radio frequency was becoming more uh, uh, more important, and and aircraft were becoming more and more vulnerable. So DARPA started looking at how do I make stealth technology? How do I protect the airplane besides just jamming electrons? And huh. and they went through and developed uh, what to call stealth technology today. And I remember, uh, I, I can picture in my mind, I don't know if it's true or not, but in my mind, uh, being the senior liaison officer at DARPA there, I can picture my, in my mind the chief and three other officers, the the ops, uh, the uh, the four star the general there, the chief staff, uh, his uh, ops uh, officer, the lieutenant lieutenant general, going down to see Casper Weinberg and says, "Boss, we don't want this stealth technology. Hmm. What happens if it doesn't work? My pilot's going to be uh, vulnerable. We're going to lose the aircraft. The aircrafts right now are costing lots of money." And Casper uh, Weinberg came back and says, "Look, let's do a demo." And if they can succeed on the demo, mm. okay, and let's do a prototype, then we're buying stealth. If they don't succeed, then, of course, we'll continue the traditional electronic defense of the aircraft. And I'm sure they were high-fiving, low-fiving all the way down <laughs> the hallway because they said there's no way <laughs> this prototype is going to succeed. Well, Whoa. to the chagrin of the United States Air Force, all of a sudden, Surprise. that uh, that demo, that demonstration succeeded, and uh, and today, you know, the Air Force is known as stealth technology. You know, exactly. now we we're at a point now that uh, the radio frequencies are and capabilities are better and better, and so we've got to do a little mix bag. But mm-hmm. you know, technology and evolution of warfare and development of of new technology to see or not see or to hide—that's a continuous battle. But I, I had a laugh on that story because I could continue seeing uh, my my four-star generals walking down the high hallway there in the Pentagon. Have you ever been in the, in the Pentagon? Uh, I mean, there are about twenty feet hallways, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wall to wall, and they're just having joy and jumping up and down. But anyway, that's just me talking about it. Another good invention, or it wasn't so good uh, uh, initially because it had a lot of uh, trial and error, was the M16 during Vietnam. They needed a rifle that could take a lot of the water, the moisture, the mud, and uh, they just, you know, the AK-47, the Russian rifle, uh, you can beat it up and it still works. And and so DARPA was trying to create, how do I get a rifle that becomes the M16? Eventually, through trial and error, it became the weapon it needed to be. But there was a lot of jamming, and a lot of soldiers uh, were lost during that initial template. Hmm. But anyway, that's those are just some of the small, uh, I, I guess, discoveries. Uh, ballistic missile, stealth, M16, the microchip, uh, various satellites, the intranet that we talked about. The and GPS. this and this one also. Okay. DARPA be 
Google on Street View. Yeah. Whether you believe it or not, in yeah. 1978, wow. it was a group of MIT architects uh, who actually worked with DARPA to create it for airports wow. mainly. But 1979, and yeah. we recently started using Street View probably like six to yeah. eight years ago. Well, so, so, so that's that's what's amazing is a lot of these technologies are innovations or yeah. or thought pieces because uh, the way DARPA works is they invest in what we call ceilings. If someone uh-huh. has an idea that seems, as I said, hard to believe, they'll give them a little bit of money to prove the concept. And the more outrageous it seems, the more they uh, uh, they support <laughs> you because they're looking for technological surprise. They're not looking at innovation as far as uh, just uh, accelerated innovation. Uh-huh. They're uh-huh. talking about revolutionary technologies. And the six offices that does that uh, is the bio, uh, bio, Biological Technology Office, the Defense Science Office, the Information Innovation Office, the Microsystem Technology Office, the Strategic Technology Office, as well as the Tactical Technology Office. And we'll talk about each of those. Go ahead, Alex. You want to um, make a point. Another one. Um, mm-hmm. I just keep being uh, – I'm surprised because there's all things that we think <laughs> – that were created in our generation, um, and they were were before. For example, also Siri, which is the voice recognition uh-huh. system that we have in our iPhones. Yeah. Um, and that one goes back to I think it's two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. So. Not too long ago, but anyways. Yeah, I started at DARPA in 2001, left in 2005, and Series was a, mm-hmm. a major advancement, or any of those natural language processors. Uh, DARPA spent quite a bit of money on doing that, and and Series just happened to be one of those. And same thing with, uh, with uh, when I go back and look at the internet, uh, the microchip, you know, the uh, and the computers. Just uh, if, if you open up your phone or open up your computers, You'll be surprised how many little stickers you have of DARPA mm. inside that phone. Really? As Dr. Tether says, there's uh, there's so many stickers in there, you'll just quit counting after a while. So <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, but let's, so suggestion, don't do it. Yeah, just leave just your phone how leave, it is. Leave your phone. Just <laughs> believe that DARPA has done that. So let me let me talk a little bit about the uh, biological technology office a little bit. It's uh it's uh, it embraces uh, unique properties of biology adaptation replication complexity. It's feature revolutionary. Uh, uh, Revolutionary technology is used to prepare uh, the soldier, the airman, the marine, uh, the sailor on how to use life in general. It's kind of like the exoskeleton. You know, we're using uh, a kind of a, a insect-like motions mm-hmm. in order to support the human body a little bit faster, stronger, and better. So that's that's what the uh, biosystem does. And we look at uh, we look at uh, you know just uh, bio complexity, the biosystem, diseases, health, medical device, uh, and 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 those kind of activities. In fact, a new artificial arm. Uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Draper's Lab is coming out of this uh, type of innovation. And it used to be when I first got to uh, working a lot on how do you take a brain signal 
Mm-hmm. And and digitize that, energize that, so the computer can do that. And that's the reason how the arm became important, developed out of Draper's lab. And I remember there was a little monkey uh, that they would uh, feed it, and every time it did something correctly, it would transmit that energy into a capture machine, and it would capture that. And so that's how we're getting these prosthetics that you can actually pick up an yes. egg now. Uh, they're still too expensive, and we got to lower that. So those are that's something that we have to do. Now, the Defense Science Office... Also is uh, is an office that uh, identifies and pursues high risk, high payoff research initiative across a broad spectrum of science and engineering. Uh, the current uh, they use a lot of math, computation, designs. Uh, they do a lot of sensing and sensor complex social systems, okay. and and they're trying to anticipate surprise. Uh, you know they're looking at autonomy, complexity, fundamentals, materials, different types of materials. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that they're trying to develop materials that kind of self-create or self uh, mm-hmm. uh, fix, uh, generate themselves to fix themselves, mm-hmm. math and sensors. That's what the Defense Science Office does. The Information Innovation Office takes a look at software, uh, information science, uh, anticipates and creates uh, the complex national security landscape and trying to figure out how to uh, improve communications, uh, both in air, land, sea, and talk about cyber and other irregular warfares. Uh, their portfolio, of course, uh, includes uh, algorithm cyber data, uh, ISR, which is information uh, surveillance and reconnaissance, networking, processing, and programming. So that is a huge office. And then, of course, the microtechnology uh, office. Uh, this is where the heartbeat of electronics come from, the microelectronic mechanisms that have been uh, developed, the photonic devices, uh, the wide band gap materials, the phase array radars, the high energy lasers, the infrared. Hmm. So you can see. Uh, that's where uh, the heavy science single engineering is taking place, yeah. and that's decentralization, electronics, EW, globalization, microsystem, mobile system, photonics, uh, PNT, which is position navigation technology, understanding the, t- the spectrum. That is huge. And then, of course, we've got the strategic technology office that uh, talks about uh, how does a warfighter take all these activities and make them uh, into a system of system. And they're talking about how do I use air, how do I communicate, how do I do countermeasures, how do I do electronic warfare, how do I do information surveillance and reconnaissance, mobile mobility platforms, and so forth. And the last office is the technical technology office, which is does the same thing, but they're looking at high payoffs, and they're looking at air, ground, ISR, maritime, munition, robotics, and space. Since we only have 30 seconds left, let me just say we're here today celebrating uh, DARPA's 60th anniversary. Uh, It was founded uh, as ARPA in 1958, and uh, it was uh, the Secretary Neil McElroy, Defense Secretary under uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, that issued the directive to stand up DARPA in 1958. Here we are in 2018 celebrating its 60th anniversary in Maryland at uh, in the D.C. area. So stay tuned. We'll talk a little bit more about DARPA as we come around the corner. And I'm looking forward to discussing a little bit more with my uh, really uh, aide and executive assistant, Alex A3 Loreno. Take care. We'll be back. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best, and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune in to Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. This is your Today, Tomorrow's Technology Show, T3. We're at the uh, third segment, and we're here discussing the uh, topic today. It's Happy Birthday, DARPA. Is there more? We're celebrating uh, DARPA's 60th anniversary today. Uh, stood up in February 1958 as uh, ARPA, Advanced Research Project Agency, and then later changed to DARPA to remind everybody it is a Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. And uh, and we've been talking a little bit about uh, the beginning of DARPA. We, we just concluded talking about the six offices. A couple of the programs we talked about was the establishment of the Internet, the M16, Stealth Technology, GPS, and some, and some of the microprocessing uh, capability that has resulted. And I'm going to turn it over to Alex right now because she's going to talk, talk a little bit about, about uh, a few uh, kind of uh, out-of-this-world futuristic programs that DARPA's got ongoing right now and will uh, help her walk through these as we discuss them. Well, it's very um, interesting. There is seven ambition DARPA projects that I have right here um, that I wanted to discuss with you and bring it up. So, like you were saying, it's always in the def- um, defense uh, department, Department of Defense, that they're mm-hmm. always thinking, right? Um, so, right now, they have the soft skeleton. 
Yep. Uh, Cutting-edge technology can also be used for supercharged crew by giving human enhanced abilities, including faster speed and greater strength. Mm-hmm. So That's where I was talking about morphing the animal-like behavior uh-huh. into those um, uh, skeleton-type uh, designs okay. to give uh, the particular soldier or airman or sailor or marine the ability to walk faster, run faster, carry larger loads. Correct. So it will just make him be Superman. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's the beginning of Superman. Exactly. Um, something that you were talking about just before we went to the break, um, it's implantable health trackers. Mm-hmm. So the idea to implant tiny soft hydrogel based sensors under the skin mm-hmm. and use them to measure biomarkers related to oxygen, glucose, mm-hmm. lactate areas, iron level. These sensors could stay in the body up to for two years. And read information directly connected device to smartphones. So, for example, you have the military out there, or you have the Navy, or et cetera. They can implement this chip, mm-hmm. and you can monitor them from far away. I look at that as the beginning of the cyborg. And the reason why <laughs> I do that is because the whole idea, if you're if you're out there in the field, you're running, sweating, yeah. You know, you're walking, it's huge, and that's the reason they consume so many calories. This is a way that uh, we can check in on individual health. And remember, the uh, military operates as a team, and mm-hmm. it's important to know how each of the elements are, are uh, from a health perspective, are right. conducting themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's also, I guess, it's a tracker, more yep. like to see, you know, yeah, yeah. where they are, et cetera. Um, another one will be self-guiding bullets. Mm-hmm. So... This well, project is an exacto ammunition yeah, project. Yeah, well, today, uh, what's interesting, uh, because uh, many projects have come out of DARPA, the unmanned aerial vehicle, we'll talk a little bit, but there's one called, and I can't remember the name of the munition right now, but once launched, it circles overhead. And it finds the enemy, and it goes straight to the enemy. Uh, and I cannot, uh, I don't remember the name of that project, well, this but is it's actually, called like a shark or something like it that. It could be. It, it, this is um, this But is that's part of the concept. Though. Yeah, that's. but yeah. it's a bullet, and it's really for a little exactly. bit for snipers. Exactly, so this is, this is a sniper bullet, sniper bullet. that changes yeah. trajectory after it's been fired. Yep. Um, and it sounds like from science fiction, really. No, the reason, <laughs> the reason for that is because in Iraq and Afghanistan, when we went there, huh. we used to get ambushed. And the question is, we built a, a system that we could target or analyze where the bullets came from. Once we analyzed where the bullet came from, as far as uh, uh, the direction, the speed, the altitude, mm-hmm. uh, where it hit this uh, particular armored uh, discovery, then we could tr- um, uh, re- redirect or reprocess, okay. uh, re-engineer is the right terminology, the direction of where the bullet came from, therefore identifying where the sniper was. And we can go back and attack it right then. And so the way I see this is you want to shoot to the right to hit somebody on the left so that they don't know that I shot oh, them from the right. Oh, I see. Okay? New concepts, oh, new wow. ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Interesting. Um, another one, submarine hunting drones. You know, I, I'll 
will tell you, the ocean. Yeah, That's I know amazing. Of, this is actually something amazing. The, the ocean is such, I mean, I look at the Atlantic Ocean. That's a large ocean. But you don't know what an ocean looks like until you travel <laughs> the Pacific. I mean, you're 13 hours in a plane. Uh, Doesn't I remember end. my b- first mission over the Pacific Ocean, the B-52, and I'm going, oh, my God. When are, we took off from Barksdale. We flew over the uh, the San Francisco Gate Bridge there. Uh, we had Hawaii about 200 miles or 150 miles to the south of us, flew right over Midway, and then w- flew right on into Guam. 17 and a half hours later, we landed in Guam, and I'm going, oh, my God, that is a large ocean. Yeah. So when you go back to submarine, submarine hunting, and that kind of activity, the the technology here to locate a vessel underwater is huge. Exactly. So it says... Um, DARPA has created a 140 tons autonomous drone boat with yeah. the goal of tracking enemy submarines, yeah. also to detecting mines in yeah. the open ocean. Yeah. And it could operate for 60 to 90 days with no human intervention necessary. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty Total, amazing. Totally uh, autonomous, totally automated, exactly. totally. Uh, no need to put anybody in danger. Uh, it's it's a whatever. it's an autonomous machine mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. What do you have next? Uh, robot insect spice. Oh, oh, yes. this is kind of like yeah, uh, something interesting. I would have never thought about it, but well, I'll, let me give you a little concept, and maybe <laughs> I'll hit a little bit. Uh, when we developed the unmanned aerial vehicles, uh, we had the uh, Predator and we had Global Hawk, and then of course the unmanned. We wanted to get it t- down in size, so all these. Uh, uh, um, uh, copters, uh, unmanned aerial vehicles that we see today, commercialized. You know, I, I find it interesting because, uh, to me, as as an airman, you know, mm-hmm. we had the V twos in World War Two, and then we had these automated uh, rocket drones in Vietnam, and then in Bosnia is when we started using the Predator, the unmanned aerial vehicle. Okay. And the issue was, can I make it smaller? Well, at the time, no one really wanted a Predator. Now okay. today, everybody and his brother wants a Predator, and today everybody wants a insect like, smaller, mm-hmm. ca- more capable. Mm-hmm sensor uh, consuming uh, device and the, the bugs uh, um, capability is interesting and there's also if you ever see a um, oh um, a hummingbird Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. doing the same thing where it just goes around and perches and looks exactly. and you don't know whether it's real or not no for sure so. um, yeah it says a variety of different insects has been exploited as part of the so this call it's HI MEMS program? Yep, HI MEMS, high yes, MEMS program. Yes, so it's including flying month uh, implants and beetles. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, That's on the microsystems office. Exactly. So it's very tiny. Yeah, yeah. That's where it all comes from. Yeah. So they develop, uh, you know, new uh, uh, new uh, technology, uh, new materials to make it capable. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's the same thing as uh, the computers and Moore's Law. I mean, you know, you're doubling all the time. Well, there's a point where you can't really double so you got to do. You got to change the technology, and so that's what DARPA has done: change the technology a little bit. Exactly, and something that you were talking about also okay. recently um, from the different uh, agencies: it's mm-hmm. brain computer interface. Yeah. So brain computer interface brain is something that Elon Musk is also yeah, trying yeah. to work with DARPA. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an implemented system able to provide Artificial precision. 
communication yeah. between the brain and digital work. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that gets back to that initial monkey research that we had exactly. to capture what are the electrons and how do I capture that so it makes sense. And it's like the uh, uh, Draper's Lab artificial arm that they can pick up an egg without squeezing the egg and move it from one mm-hmm. egg carton to the other. Uh, when you haven't done that, you haven't picked up a beer because mm-hmm. you do not have an arm, it's pretty fascinating. Exactly. This is actually very interesting, um, and I think it could bring a lot to us. It's called, um, well, it's Homes That Repair Themselves. Okay. So DARPA launched this uh, program called Engineering Living Materials, mm-hmm. uh, summer 2016, mm-hmm. uh, with the vision to create building materials that actually grow. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the evolution of new polymers and that mm-hmm. technology and that science. It gets back to uh, almost the beginning of the 3D because that's mm-hmm. where it starts okay. and, then, uh, and then the expansion of the polymers to grow. And it, it, it's interesting because it gets back to the science of, uh, uh, you know, of uh, regenerating uh, tissues. So that's uh, regenerating Mm -hmm. materials there. Exactly. The goal is to be able to construct buildings that repair themselves and adapt to any type of living environment. Yeah. Um, Looking into the future with also so many uh, uh, global, um, like, hurricanes or whatever that's in the way, that they can repair themselves is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. There's also one that calls Shrimp Olympic. Okay. And if you guys can see and look for it on the internet, it's like micro, micro, small robotic platform. Perfect, uh, perfect. Which is very interesting. Well, folks, we're here in our third segment. Uh, we've got about three minutes, but we're here celebrating uh, DARPA's anniversary, uh, 60th year. Uh, the formation of DARPA. What makes DARPA different from any other organization? Uh, I can tell you that we've uh, other organizations have started Homeland Security with HARPA, uh, DOE uh, with uh, ARPA E, and then of course the Intel community with the ARPA I, and none of them. And I've had program managers leave DARPA and go to work for those other ones cannot compare to the excitement, the enthusiasm, the just the culture. Because uh, mm-hmm. it's just a different culture, and what's, what makes it important is that uh, you know you're there to produce. You're, you've got a three to four year contract. Uh, you're you're set up from the very beginning, and you are in charge of your program. And the more successful you are, the more programs you start, and you're really looking at a vision for all you young scientists out there. And I, I, I when I was there, I said, how can how could an individual not know about DARPA if he's running and, and acquiring degrees in the technical field. You've got to know about DARPA. And, 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 you know, I know a lot of people go to the National Science Foundation and National Institute of Health and, and all those others. But uh, DARPA gives you the creativity, the ability to create your own and follow your own dreams. That's the reason th- that is the atmosphere that DARPA creates that I don't think any other organization has, has created. But anyway, we're here celebrating DARPA's uh, 60th anniversary. Stood up February 58, uh, 16 weeks after Sputnik, and it has produced a ton of, uh, of uh, technology, uh, innovation, unsurpassed. Uh, and I, I just want to say uh, there was a little article here I'm trying to look up right now. Uh, uh, the first director of DARPA, and um, Roy Johnson left his $160,000 management job in 1958 uh, at General Electric for an 18000 job at DARPA. 
you know, and that's the difference. And the reason why is he could do everything. You didn't have to deal with the bureaucracy. So we've got about a minute left. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's listening to our program. It's been exciting uh, show for me to do uh, being a DARPA alumni and, and, and benefiting from a lot of these technologies and seeing it firsthand. And, and for those of you who want to know more about the, some of these technologies, go back to our, uh, our research podcast and take a look at that. I mean, we've talked about the autonomous vehicles. We've talked about disruptive technologies. We've talked about cyber technology, smart homes, unmanned aerial vehicles, the smartphone, space, electrical technologies, energy, uh, technology in high school, future robotics, and others. So there's a lot of wealth of information in some of these uh, archive podcasts. And so all you have to do is hit voiceofamerica.com, look at the Variety Channel, go to T3, and you have it. So 30 seconds left. I'd just like to thank Alex for joining me today. Uh, it's I kind of smile at her, and I said, what do you know about DARPA when she first joined uh, my organization? And, of course, it was zero. It was uh, a deer in the headlights. But it's funny now that uh, she touches something, she goes, oh, this is DARPA. Thank Dee Daniels, my executive producer. And until our next show, I'd like to thank you and wish you the very best. This is your host, Jose Negron, for today, Tomorrow's Technology, the leading technology show at Voice of America. Take care, folks, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.